Hello everyone, I am Mosibel and this is the Mosibel podcast. Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. This is the Mosibel podcast, a podcast about culture and cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. I'm your host Mosibel, Nigerian-born, US educated Korean speaking intellectual. Um today I have a Nigerian on the show and I met her through a mutual friend of ours. So um her name is Omotaya. I'm just going to call her Taya for the sake of this podcast. She's a Nigerian based in Brazil where she's pursuing a graduate education. So everyone join me in welcoming Taya to the podcast. Hello Taya. Hi mom. Well, thank you so much for um jumping on on the show. All right, let's just you know get right to it. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about you and just how you ended up making life for yourself in in Brazil? Okay, thank you for having me on the show. My name is Tayo. I'm a third year PhD student here in Brazil. I've got a daughter with me. She's three years and seven months. She's the center of my world. And um, yes, how did I end up in Brazil? So. I obtained a master's university in United Kingdom in 2011, and I had offers for a PhD program. I got about three or four different offers in different universities around the UK, but as at that time, the average fees for a PhD program would sum up to about £100,000, I mean, for the four years. I was not going to allow my parents go through what they went through during my master's degree. You know, I wasn't going to let them put in their money for a PhD program. I wanted it to be on my own money or via scholarship. Mm-hmm. I deferred my admissions, hoping to get scholarships, and I deferred for about two, three years. And when I realized scholarships were not forthcoming, I decided to start looking at countries that give um, scholarships you know, to international students. Mm-hmm. So I came to Brazil and I applied for the CNPQ scholarship. I had the interview over Skype and it was successful. I was in 2016. So I came in after the PhD, all expenses paid, no need to pay the tuition and I get a stipend also monthly. So that's how I'm here. I find it very... Um, children, though, that in the UK you have to like dish out money to pay for your own PhD. I mean, that's that's weird. Coming from a US system where you can you can get up to like 80% of your or even 100% of it paid, but then you have to like do some form of uh, payback program, maybe through the research assistantship or teaching assistantship to be able to pay off your your tuition. Yeah, such such things are not existent. They are not existent in the UK as far as I know. Wow. You have to pay unfortunately international students pay well over you know, double what the national students pay, the UK citizens. Mm. I mean while I was my master's degree, I remember my tuition was about fifteen thousand pounds. My classmates were paying about three thousand five hundred. That's times five. Almost times five. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So that's that. It's like that. So um, yeah, wow. and then I think their fees about twenty percent annually. So 
when I was come, when I was supposed to have resumed for my PhD, it was just going higher and higher like that. And I just looked and said, no, it's impossible to have my parents pay all of this. I have yeah. siblings. Yeah. But I never thinking about the conversion rate in Nigeria to pounds. Like, that's not funny at all. But no, it's good. So you're doing a PhD right now. Um, what part of Brazil are you based in and what's your PhD in? Um, I'm based in Rio, Rio de Janeiro. PhDs in environmental geochemistry. Oh, that's nice. Um, and for your kind of degree, like what kind of studies do you guys end up working in? Like most of people that graduate your degree. I could work in the oil and gas sector. Uh-huh. I could work with environmental consultancies, which is actually my preferred sector. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I prefer to work with the consultant. I could, I could also work with the government. You know, I could work with policy making and law enforcement as well. Really quite a lot. So what what I'll be doing basically would be to carry out um, environmental impact assessment, environmental studies. There could be three projects, or they could be after the project install, um, the project commencement. So by the pre-project, I mean before major uh, activities that impact on the environment are carried out. I would come in as an environmental scientist and. Um, take measurements of soils, the water, sediments, and all the rest, and see how, if they are fit to accommodate the new change that is coming in. Yeah. And then post the change also, would would oversee monitoring studies, mm. see how the change has affected or impacted the environment um, to make sure that the environment is, is, is kept in a sustainable manner. See, <laughs> I'm tempted to ask what your opinion is about climate change and um, global warming. So, are you for or against climate? Change? Like, do you believe in that theory of um, global warming or not? Of course, yes, I do because my research now is actually about climate change. Yeah. Okay. And what do you think is responsible? Is it the polar, um, the polar ice melting or methane gases being released into the air with our bad habits as human beings. Like, what do you think is like the most singular problem? Yes, I think first, the, what I would say is that the ice melting is as a result, is a consequence of our activities, of human activities. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. So when we, when we emit greenhouse gases, when we um, engage in deforestation because we need to produce other things, Mm-hmm. You know, when we're emitting so much CO2 and unless it's being trapped because we don't have enough forest to trap them, yeah. we're eventually burdening the earth with higher temperatures, which would consequently melt the ice caps, cause low sea levels in some areas and over flooding in other areas and things like that. So yes, climate change is real. Yeah. Alright, I agree with you. I think living here in the US, you hear so much about, you know, global warming and climate change. Because it's one of the hot topics here. And I think for the most part, most people believe that global warming is a real thing. But the, the line of division comes when when they talk about, so who's supposed to fix it? The the big partition is something, is, you know, some would say, a line of argument would be the government, like, you know, government exerting more control, um, banning some things, and that can help reduce that. Some say, no, it comes to individual choices and individual responsibilities. So... I always find those kind of conversations on both ends, you know, um, a little bit interesting to follow and the line of arguments. So um, I'm really kind of curious to know, so you moved from Nigeria and the UK and in Brazil. 
Brazil is in one of those hot places where you hear a lot of Nigerians going to. So can you tell us a little bit of some of the challenges you experienced the first for a few months you moved to Brazil? Oh, well, I moved to Brazil when my daughter was seven months and school work had started at that time. So the first challenge I met was not even the language barrier. Of course, that's a challenge, but it wasn't the immediate challenge that I met with. It was coping in a new environment with a baby. Yeah. You know, so, but luckily we had a family who we stayed with, so they helped with caring for her at the initial stage. Another challenge was, of course, the language barrier. Brazilians speak mainly Portuguese. There are very few English speaking citizens, but Portuguese is the is their lingua franca. Yeah. So, um, Portuguese is very different from English. There are barely similarities between Portuguese and English. So it was a major challenge for me. I mean, I never appreciated language I came in for my PhD, and then I had to, you know, force myself to learn the language. So. Oh, I see. I, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah that's it. Did they teach you in Portuguese in school, or are your are your classes taught in English? My classes were put in Portuguese. I see. And I can imagine that your um your thesis and dissertation is expected to be typed and written. Portuguese, right? I actually had all my assessments were done in English. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I spoke with my supervisors earlier and then my um, tutors also. So they actually agreed and, you know, having international students is not new to them and they always allow that. Okay. So apart from that challenge of just um, having to settle in with a seven-month-old daughter and you know, the language barrier, how about community? Would you say that was easy for you to build? Yes or why not? Uh, yes, it was easy. Community, you said? Yeah, community, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. It was, it was pretty much easy because Brazilians are very warm people. They're loving and they're open-hearted people. Everybody you meet wants to help you. The average Brazilian is a nice person. They welcome you with two kisses. Mm-hmm. They give you a warm hug and things like that. So meeting with people, it's, I mean, developing friends, making friends rather, making friends. Mm-hmm. It's very easy here. Very, very easy. You would love it. I, like I told you earlier, a friend of mine came in fairly once ago and she loved it. She made so many friends. She keeps going out and hanging out with friends. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 that's just how Brazilians are with strangers, especially. And yeah, they make you feel at home. They offer all the help that they can. They go out of their way to help you and to make sure that you're comfortable. They always try to give a good impression about themselves to foreigners. Oh, wow. So, it sounds like the, the cultural divide wasn't that much to, you know, um, overcome. They sound like Nigerians for the most part. <laughs> yeah. They're, 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 they're very sincere people. You know, what they tell you is what they have in their minds. Oh, then they're not like Nigerians. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> not really. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, good for you. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things about moving to another country, especially one like yours where... There seems to be like a language barrier. It's about finding community, people that can help you ease into the yeah. new environment and build your new normal again. So, um, what would you say some of the things you you enjoy about Brazil, living in Brazil? Ah, uh, well, the first thing I enjoy is the food. <laughs> oh, really? The rice and the beans. I know that yeah. you love plantains and seafood, so that's a that's a good one for me. 
rice and beans is like um how do I describe that? How can I compare it with a dish? Rice and beans is like a constant. Mm-hmm. So when you get to an average Brazilian table, you would always find rice and beans, irrespective of the occasion, irrespective of like, I mean you won't find it during breakfast, but dinner and lunch you'll find it there. Yeah. Jiga. Yeah. So you have other condiments, you have a lot of other things that you could attach with. But Brazilians do spend time in cooking and it, the food always comes out well. Mm. You know, so they cook very well. So I like the food, yes. The second thing I like about Brazilians is they, they are very aesthetic people. Yes, they take good care of the environment, the immediate environment and the external environment as well. They love art, they love beauty. You'll see that in every house you go to. And apart from that, they also take care of their own bodies. They take time, you know. They actually dedicate a lot of time to taking care of their bodies. And they do their nails like every two weeks. They make sure they go for their medical checkup. They are, they're very religious about it. Mm. It's like at the beginning of the year, you must go through your entire medical checkup from x-rays to blood exams scans, you have to do everything. And then they take care of their bodies, they go, they go to the gym regularly, at least three times a week. Mm. You know, I've not seen a group of people who dedicate so much time to their bodies. Oh, the body. makes yeah. sense. They, they came up with the concept of the Brazilian wax, so... <laughs> I'm not surprised about that. And the Brazilian body, the beach body... Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. With a tan and, you know... The tall, slim lady running, you know, in her bikinis a little bit. That's what I think about when I think about Brazil. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the food and just, you know, how they, they're very health and body conscious. What would you say is your least favorite thing about Brazil? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazil. Well, I wouldn't say. It's, uh, I think it's just their way of life. It's a Brazilian way of addressing Now, growing up as a Nigerian, I think subconscious thought to... Oh, I don't want to sound rude. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, every country has like, every place has like its ups and downs. So, or it's it's good and it's bad. So, I'll 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 be nice. They tend to take their time with doing everything. Oh, it's like the Brazilian time thing. Yeah, it's like they. There, uh, how do I put it now? Okay, I'll just add an example. Okay. For instance, okay, there was a time I we needed to do a group assignment, so we had a deadline, of course, and like a week before the deadline, I was anxious to get the work done. And I was trying to get the group together so that we could start on the work. And everybody was like, "Oh, take it easy, Tayo. Take it." And I'm like, "What do you mean, take it easy? We have five days to go. <laughs> I three days to go, Tayo. Take it easy. We'll, we'll call a meeting. Everybody will do it." And then I had to speak with one girl in particular. I said, look, I don't understand what's happening. And I hope I never have to do a group up with anybody in this department again. You know, I was really upset at that point in time because it was just three days to go and then we had done nothing. And then they were like, oh, Tayo, calm down. This is Brazil. Like, <laughs> you know? And then she said, even if you don't turn it in at the right time, you can just explain to the lecturer and then you'll be fine. I was like... Relax. I mean, <laughs> that's... Everything, you know, just take it easy because you can go to the beach and then just relax for about five hours. And then you have a deadline tomorrow. You've not even started the work. 
that's just their life. They don't take things like we take them in Nigeria or like in the UK where you have a deadline yeah. and then if you don't meet up deadline, your fifty percent of your marks is gone. Forget about that, yeah. Yeah, especially here too. Deadlines are quite strict. But I guess you just flow with the environment and you learn to like adjust eventually. I don't think I really adjusted. I was just in a hurry to finish my coursework. I never have to do a group work again. That's all. I mean, even today, I still have colleagues who are like that. They take their time with their work and they don't take it as serious as... To me, I think they don't take it as serious as, you know, an average Nigerian bull. Or well, someone that is very... Um, I, was, I think the word for that would be like, someone that is on top of things, like you just want to, like an overachiever, like you, you want to set all the docks in a row, cross the T's and dot the I's. Yeah, that was like a shock for you. Mm-hmm. And then I think also, it's, it, I think it's a cultural thing. That's why I said I didn't want to use the inappropriate word. I didn't want to describe it inappropriately and sound rude. Yeah. Because the average Brazilian, they are content with, they're very content people with the little that they have. They are not yeah. after five cars, six cars. I want to have a helicopter. They are not after, I want to build a man. No. Some of that is very rich and the only house they have is an two-bedroom apartment, mm. they have one family, they have a lot of money, they can travel the world on vacation. They can take three months in a year and tour the whole of Europe on vacation. Wow. You know, they want two-bedroom apartment and one car. That's the average Brazilian for you. Not after big mansions and all of that. No. That's that's a very uh, important point you just brought up. But I was kind of curious, why do you think as a whole, and this is like, like general statements we're making, it doesn't mean all Brazilians are like that. One thing as a whole, the feel of the country is, you know, of one, of people that, are, you know, relax and take life easily. What would you say is that, what would you say would be like a cause of that or the underlying factor behind that? I think because the average Brazilian sees happiness as the most important thing. And the happiness is, de- they, they derive their happiness from relationships, interactions with people and nature, rather than material things. Mm. Brazilia would prefer to travel and go to a remote location in the woods, stay there and have good contact with nature. The average Brazilian who is an elderly person will see and forming a line, stand, watch, marvel at it, laugh, you know, call you to come and look at it, we'll be so happy and you're wondering like, okay, these are like 50 ants walking in a line and what's exciting you about that? But that's giving him joy. You know, he enjoys even the fact that he just bought the new Range Rover. No. Mm. He enjoys that the bird came by in the morning and was singing and the, the bird has about five, six different colors. Mm. That's his joy. That's the other I think every, well, most collective countries like that, like countries that have a, a history of collectiveness, they tend to have that thing that defines their very essence. And I'd ask that question because uh, I think, for example, now in um, in Nigeria, we have the ego beta, ego beta mentality where we just keep striving and despite hardship. And so that mm-hmm. ideology of all that way of being, you know, just always being positive, you know, like Fela would say, suffering and smiling. And then in, um, in, in Denmark, they have the Hajj. I don't know if I'm saying it well. It's just that I had to explain feeling of cousiness and comfort. Um, in, in, in Korea, they have the Han, which is very hard to convey. It's just that silent force of um, a shared culture and kinship, given their history and just how they've had to build their country. 
And so I wanted to just, you know, ask about that. I don't have the word for how you describe Brazil, but like, I, I understand it. I think it's for that the underlying thing there will be how, for them, the joys of life are simple things. And yeah. They're found in, in people, in cultivating relationships, in, in building family. So in that way, I can imagine that they're probably going to be mostly happy people there, as far as their index of happiness on a general scale. It doesn't sound like an individualistic um, like place to me. Like People like find communities, and they're quite social is what I'm trying to say. Yes, they are very social yeah. people. You even realize that even the homeless are willing to make people happy. Make other people, wealthy people happy. When they go around wow. and ask you, like, why do you need help? That's a homeless in itself. Wow. You know, a smile, a wild smile. Once I was, Tammy and I were going out on, I think we were going to the park one day and she was in Australia. She was crying for something, I can't remember what. And then a homeless lady just walked up to me and said, oh, why is she crying? Do I need help? Do I want to do anything? And you could see the sincerity in her. She wasn't begging for anything. So just worrying that Tammy was crying, you know, and that's that just that's not how anybody will do. That's what anybody will do here, hmm. you know. So irrespective social status class, everybody's having everybody wants to live together and be happy. Everybody wants to turn joy to the other person, and that's it. You go to the mall, you find some hungry people, maybe homeless also, who haven't eaten in about days. They walk up to a very rich person and they ask, oh, please, can you give me some money for lunch? And then the rich will tell, oh, come in, come on in, I'm going for lunch, let's eat together. Yeah. Then you see somebody, you know, not properly dressed, sitting beside somebody who is well-dressed, you know, and they're eating together from the same table. Oh, That's wow. how they are. Yeah. That's quite very um, optimistic, especially for those that might be considering moving to Brazil from Nigeria or other countries that already have that, you know, social fabric woven all together. Thanks for, you know, giving us examples on that. Another thing I kind of find fascinating about Brazil is just their very eclectic history. Um, so I study, well, I do research on prostate cancer. And um, one of the theories behind just how it's so prevalent and um, um, quite aggressive in black males all over the world is, is through the trans, um, is because of the transatlantic slave trade that was used. And Brazil happened to be one of those core areas that they used to um, you know, take Africans from all over Africa and you know disperse uh, disperse them across you know Europe and the Americas, and so there seems to be like a huge um, I'll say black community, and yeah. um, so that was something very fascinating to me. And and as a Yoruba, which I know you are as well, um, really didn't I think it was I was watching was it NCS NCIS or Criminal minds, I just don't know, but they had this, um, what's the name of this god? Is it Santeria or one of these? Anyways, they talked about Yoruba as a religion. I, I was taking quite a back because whenever I thought that in history, but apparently in, in Brazil, um, they practice a form of, Yor- of of religion called Yoruba. And, you know, they have like, um, yeah. priests and priestesses associated with that. I never knew that as a Yoruba yeah. person growing up in Nigeria. <laughs> they did not teach me that in school. They just, you know, you're probably Yoruba and you're confined to, you know, Nigeria, but then seeing how your, your culture, your language has become, has, has been evolved or has evolved to become something even bigger than what you expected. So that I found that fascinating about, um, Brazil. Yeah. 
Well, I'll I'll just say something on that. I think um, I'll say they got a bit twisted. You know, I've had the discussion with quite a number of people here, Yoruba people here as well. Mm-hmm. They got it a bit, you know, the Yoruba, the you know, the the, the the way they address the word Yoruba heads, like it's a religion. Mm-hmm. I remember the time I, you know, was encountered with something like that was when I met a guy on the street and then he asked, I couldn't speak, I couldn't express myself well in Portuguese. So he asked where I'm from and I said Nigeria. I said, oh, really? Where in Nigeria? I said, uh, he said, oh, are you Yoruba? Yeah, that was yeah. his question. Yeah. He said, yes, I'm Yoruba. And then he scouted like he wanted to bow down to worship. <laughs> Wait, was he gonna throw money at you? I'll just say, what shipper? Why? My altar is open 24-7. <laughs> oh, wow. So, like, I said, I said, I was like, what, what, what's, what, what's that? He said, oh, his mother is Yemoja. Ah, it's Orisha. It's Orisha Yoruba. That's what they do. That's one of the religions there. Yes, yeah, Orisha. Ah. Yeah. It's Yemoja. I said, no, 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 no. Calm down. Then I started explaining to him that, that I think I brought out my phone, showed him the Niger- the map of Nigeria. And look, there are three major tribes in Nigeria. Yoruba is one of the tribe. These are the religions that we have in Nigeria. Yoruba is not a religion. Mm. And then he didn't seem so much convinced because you can imagine that's what he's probably lost in his mind for maybe 10, 15 years. Who knows? Mm. You know, so he didn't, he didn't seem much convinced. But I told him that, okay, yes, true, there are those religions, there are those traditional worshippers who worship or shoe and all of that. Oh, but goodness. I think here, yeah, yeah, lumped them together. Mm. Lumped all the, all the um, traditional religions together. like super, To form a super exactly. uh, Yeah. And then they probably have, maybe they, they would have ways to differentiate between each of them, maybe during their songs or sacrifices and all of the rest. Mm. But the Yoruba thing is, is mainly seen as a religion. I remember there's even a guy in the, in the nearby supermarket that I always have to explain that look I am not don't worship any of those things I'm a Christian I'm a child mm. of God I like I oh, to the father of Jesus Christ <laughs> you know I always have to explain to him because yeah. when he sees me say Oshu right ask me questions about Oshu and Ifan or and oh and I'm like oh my yeah. god I don't know anything about all these things so yeah that's the Oh, thanks for doing that. Um, just about running off, I just want to ask you this final question. So, um, there are not many Nigerians I I want to assume in Brazil. What are some of the opportunities you think might be available, especially to those that might be considering advanced degrees, and how can you go about taking those options? Uh, um, considering advanced degrees, there's um, I think at the Brazilian Embassy in Nigeria, I think they can give my mission and that there's, there's people come here Nigeria on postdoc, on PhD programs, a master's exchange programs. There's also people from other countries as well. So I think there are several opportunities available. Also the Petrobras here they have um they have a branch in Nigeria. Petrobras is the is the main oil company here in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then they have a branch in Nigeria. I know that a lot of through Petrobras also come to Brazil from Nigeria. And they found it quite interesting. I think who have um, come around because of that, and they did very well here. So I'm assuming that probably yeah. those that have like um, engineering or geological or um, you know oil industry yeah. kind of focus. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you for that.
And um, do you miss Nigeria at all? Ah, do I miss Nigeria? Yes, I do. That took you a while to yeah. respond. <laughs> well, as it is, I miss the food side of Nigeria. I don't miss the up Nepal part of Nigeria. No. <laughs> the part is that bit yellow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't miss that part. I don't miss, uh, yeah, I don't miss the problem, the internet problems. So, yeah. Do you have any final words you want to share before we call it a wrap? Um, well, I was going to say that if given the chance, Brazil would be a nice place. You still can enjoy the warmness, the climate is just like uh, what we have in Nigeria. So it's a good place any time of the year. Enjoy the food, enjoy the people. Enjoy the culture, enjoy the environment. Like it's very good. Winter here is no real winter. It's no winter compared to what we have in the US, the UK, or Canada now. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Tayo. And um, it was nice exploring your story, hearing about your journey from Nigeria to the UK, and then pursuing a PhD. And uh, just telling us a little bit about Brazil and why we should come to say what you like about it and what you think of the culture and some things you don't really like about it as well. And um, I wish you the very best as you, you know, go on in your PhD program and whatever you want to do next. I hope you do find that dream job of yours that you really want. And yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mutolan. Thank you for having. Well, everyone, that was the show. This um, just you know, talk to Amatayo. If you love this content, just um, check out more episodes on the website www.mosibyl.com. That is mosibyl.com. You can also follow me on that handle, mosibyl, on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, um, it was fun being here today with you guys. And um, if you have any questions or comments or you would like to be on the show to share your story and process as well, just let me know. I am recording now and taking guest offers. So. I remain your host, Mosibo, and I'll catch you guys on another episode of the Mosibo Podcast. Bye.